0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. We are in the fourth week of our seasoning series, and I am, I don't know about you, I'm excited about this series. I love just the idea of how we are always in some kind of season and how they're cyclical, and how if you're in a winter now, then know that spring is coming. And followed by summer and fall, and, and sometimes you get a winter followed by a summer followed by a fall. It's a lot like Houston weather. Uh, honestly, we've experienced that just the, over the last week. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I was trying to think of a way to convey uh, the fall and uh, and and how to explain it so that you would understand that it is not a destination. That we are just trying to get to so that we can just relax and be and a couple of weeks ago uh, my daughter and i the littlest one she's five and so cute uh, she brought me a book and it was aesop's fable it's titled ant and the grasshopper and i love that book and i love aesop's fable there's always a good little nugget of truth in there and so we started reading The Ant and the Grasshopper and and if you're not familiar It's basically a story that opens with a bunch of ants doing what ants do, which is work They're whatever the season they're working. They're in preparation they're preparing for the next season and They meet a grasshopper who is only interested in playing instruments playing out in the field, dancing, wasting time, relaxing. And he asked the ants, why are you guys working so hard? It's such a beautiful day. And they say, because we've got to prepare for that next season. And he says, oh, we've got plenty of time, plenty of time. We should enjoy this day and just rest. And that was his motto throughout the story until the winter came. The ants knew the winter was coming, and when it came, they had plenty. They were taking care, they were taken care of. They were enjoying their foods, their feasts, and they were doing a great job getting through a difficult season, because they had prepared through the other seasons. All the while the grasshopper is freezing, having an incredibly hard time finding food. just chilled to the bone, near death. And in the end of winter we see an almost repentant grasshopper with a greater understanding of of the importance of preparation I read that story with my daughter and she looked at me and she said okay now read this book and I went oh whoa 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 don't don't you see the implications and she went no and that's okay. That's okay. She's young. She's five. She's got time. But for the rest of us, we need to understand, and I hope to convey today through the, this next chapter in Joseph's life, how important it is to continue to work, to continue to understand that the seasons come and they go, and to reach a destination like the fall harvest is not something to just simply take in and enjoy for our own personal peace and affluence. You see, there's a time for everything and if we spend all of our time playing and neglecting the work before us, then like the grasshopper, we're not going to be prepared for the inevitable winter that is approaching. So here's the one thought that I want to, you to take home with you today. I want you, I want you to just write it down, put it somewhere somewhere that will help you to understand that whatever season you're in, you can always look to this and, and, and hold on tight to it. And it's this. In the fall, we either enjoy or we excuse. We either enjoy the fruits and the preparation of the seasons before us, or we make excuses as to why we didn't achieve or receive all that we could have. See, our fall is always a product of the work we put in during the previous seasons of life. And as with all the things that God brings to, uh, to in our lives, each season is an opportunity. We get to make the choice to, to see that opportunity and make the most of our circumstances, no matter what the season is. You see, all of the seasons, just like Dalton just sung, All of the seasons are tied together. If you you talk to any farmer, anyone who's ever planted seed, you know that he will tell you that the work you put in is what is going to determine the results in the harvest. The work you put in in the winter, in the spring, in the summer is going to determine the results of the harvest. And they'll also tell you that if you plant corn... In the spring, don't expect to reap wheat in the fall because what you plant, the work and the efforts and the toils that you put into it, whatever you plant, you will reap. Thus, in the fall, we will either enjoy or we will excuse. And here's the thing. You know this. I know this. We can always find a reason to make an excuse, to put off the hard work, to do something else. We can always find a reason. Over the last nine months, we've been given a very long reason to just hunker down and not do anything. But as you've noticed through the study of the seasons from this very pulpit, that our perspective and our decisions determine the success or failure of the following season. God has set us up for great things and he has a perfect plan. But he gives us the freedom to make the choices. Thankfully, because he loves us and he wants us to love him in return and make those choices wisely and appropriately. And as you're gonna see today through Joseph's life, fall is the culmination of, of all of these seasons and efforts, decisions, and, and fall will look like whatever the work was you put into it in the previous seasons. And here's the thing. As you've certainly learned in life, unlike the seasons of the year, our life doesn't always progress perfectly from one or the other it is very much like the Houston weather oftentimes we the effort we put in during the seasons of toil the seasons of patience the seasons of protection they aren't realized till much much later and in fact when you look into scripture you see that most of the efforts that these biblical heroes put in were not realized until long after their lifetime. So you have to change your perspective to think that if I do this good thing here, then I'm definitely going to get this good thing here. Or that if I do A here, then that's going to equal B plus C. All of those things are going to just fall into line because God's, God doesn't work like that. His plan is going to most likely look very different than your plan. And we have to trust that. And despite our desires... To see immediate results, we need to trust solely in the plan that God has. Patience for the harvest is imperative. Understanding that God's timing is going to be perfect, even when we can't see it. And when that harvest comes, it will be so much greater than we could ever imagine. And as we continue the story of Joseph, we're going to see that that is 100% accurate in his life. For those of you that you may have missed the last three weeks, we're going through the story of Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son of a patriarch named Jacob. Uh, we've, we've talked at length how it is a terrible idea to have a favorite. And Joseph was the byproduct of being treated as the favorite, being given all of the great things and and while the brothers went out and worked, he was not made to. We see over and over again that that Joseph had an immaturity about him and a selfishness about him that caused him to get into a really bad situation. In the winter, we saw that Joseph had been given a dream and because of his immaturity, went to his brothers and said, listen, I know I'm the youngest. I am the favorite. Uh, you guys are all going to probably bow down to me pretty soon. I've been given a dream and I am going to end up being on top and you guys are going to all bow to me. That's just crazy. I like it, but that's crazy. Now listen, if you are the known favorite of your father, there's only one, uh, there's only one outcome and Joseph received it. He was thrown into a pit. And in that pit is where I believe he started to understand where he had gone wrong. And he also started to understand that the only person he could affect in that pit was him. So we learned in the winter that we have to change our perspective. We have to change our attitude because we're the only ones that we can truly affect. In the spring, we saw that Joseph began to put down deep roots of faith. He was sold into slavery once he was pulled out of the pit and he was put into uh, a position of power over a very rich official's household and things looked good for Joseph until that man's wife wrongly accused Joseph of something and, and he was thrown into prison and it's not like the prisons that we know right like they, they didn't have cable television and meals and wreck time it was a pretty nasty place Pretty horrible place, not a place you'd want to be. And Joseph was thrown there wrongly. And he could have decided to pull it back into winter, hunker down, and just say, I'm just going to wait this out. But we saw in the summer that's not what he did. He continued to toil. He continued to work for the Lord and trust in the Lord and his perfect plan for him, despite the fact that it had been so long, over a decade, and last week, Pastor Ed left off at uh, Genesis 40, chapter, or chapter 40, verse 22. He left us where Joseph had just interpreted the dreams of these two men that were from Pharaoh's household, the baker and the cupbearer. He had given some pretty rough news to the, to the baker, which ultimately came true. And then he had given good news to the cupbearer, which also came true. And he asked those guys one thing. Well, really, he asked the cupbearer because he knew that the baker wasn't going to be able to do it he said, I just want you to remember me. I just want you to remember what i had done for you, what I've said when you get back into your place of prominence and maybe get me out of this prison. Now, if Joseph was anything like me, probably wasn't, but if he was anything like me, he probably was already packing his bags. As soon as the, ba- the cupbearer left and was re- given his position back, he probably started packing up his I don't know what he had in the cave, but he probably had something that he had mushed together. He was probably ready to go, right? He probably was telling people for the first couple days, hey, I'm almost out of here. Hey, this has been fun. Hey, listen, boss, I know I've been doing a lot of things for you, but I'm out of here as soon as that guy says something, it's happening. And as the days went on and went on, I know I would have gotten a little bit disheartened. After all of this, This seeming, this thing that is right in front of me that just makes all the sense in the world has happened. The the Pharaoh's cupbearer, the guy that's the closest to the Pharaoh than anybody else on the planet was just in here and I was able to give him a great message of hope and and just, I just asked him one thing, get me out of here. And yet it didn't happen. And we see in chapter 41, two full years later, And I think it's amazing that the writer decided to put this specific part into the scripture because he wanted us to understand that this was not a quick solution, a quick resolution, not on our timing because none of us would have picked to stay in a prison for two more years. But two full years later. See, we want our Harvest to come quickly when we make a valiant decision, when we do the right thing, when we make a wise choice. But Joseph's story shows us that's that's not the way that God works. His ways are so much greater. So we see two years later that Pharaoh has two dreams. He goes to his magicians and his wise men, and he says, Here's my dreams. They say, we got no idea. That's a very interesting dream: cows and fat cows and skinny cows eating the fat cows and not getting any fatter. That doesn't make any sense. Wheat and dry wheat—that's silly. We—it doesn't make any sense. And it's at that moment when he's trying, he's listening to these guys try to make excuses as to why they they can't interpret the dream that the cupbearer remembers Joseph and. Admittedly, he took a bit of a risk to speak up and to throw his advice in with the Pharaoh. But it obviously worked. Chapter 41, verse 14, we see Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was desperate. He knew this dream had incredible implications, but he needed someone to interpret it. So they pull him out of the prison, they clean him up, they cut his hair, they trim his beard and they send him before Pharaoh. Genesis 41, 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now this is where we really start to see The maturity and the change in Joseph's life the polar opposite of what he was as a youth here's his response verse 16 it is beyond my power to do this Joseph replied now I wasn't I wasn't there it's not documented in the scriptures but I can only imagine that there was an audible (gasps) By the cupbearer, when Joseph said, I can't interpret your dreams. Because I'm sure as soon as Joseph said that, the Pharaoh's eyes started to tilt towards the cupbearer who is looking around and living the Southwest Airlines motto of, wanna get away. He was looking for any exit because he knew, I'm in trouble. But thankfully, Joseph continues. And relieves the tension in the room but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease you can cue the deep breath by everyone in the room you see this response was a stark contrast to young Joseph Young Joseph in chapter 37 is all about me and I and you're going to bow to me and I'm going to have all of this and and when my brothers go out to work, I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to lounge and be daddy's favorite. This was a complete change of attitude because through maturity, through faithfulness, through proper perspective of the seasons that God had him go through, Joseph's response was so much wiser. Pharaoh continues and tells Joseph his dreams. And in verse 25, Joseph interprets those dreams very quickly, easily, seemingly. Verse 33, we see another example of Joseph's growth and his contrast to how he presented his dream interpretation to his brothers. He says this, he's told Pharaoh what the dream has been. He has explained what's about to happen to Egypt. And it says this, therefore Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. He goes on, he outlines an incredible solution for, for how to maintain this, how to to prepare during the seven years of plenty to face the seven years of famine. And then As quickly as he was ushered in, it seems like he starts to bow and leave, walk out the door. Where again, if it was me, I would have said, and I'm really good at that stuff. Joseph doesn't say that at all. He just just stops talking. We see in verse 37 that Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Joseph wasn't even an Egyptian. And he was put in charge of all of Egypt. His humble spirit led to this great harvest. He put away his short sighted understanding of the way things work or the way that he assumed they should have worked and instead trusted God and his faithfulness through these difficult seasons. And it produced an incredible harvest second in command under the Pharaoh in a country that's not even your own. That was unheard of. But instead of resting in this harvest, instead of simply sitting around and lounging and and asking for more grapes and all of the finer things in life, I don't know why grapes popped into my mind, but it seems like they eat grapes while they're sitting around on big pillows. Instead of doing that, Joseph went to work. Verse 45. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. This harvest was Joseph's redemption. It led to to a great cop of people of Egypt receiving salvation. In verses 47 through 49, it describes just how much Joseph not only harvested, but was able to store up in excess. So much that they, they stopped counting. They had filled up all these storehouses that they had built, and they finally just went, hey, just put it over there. We, we ran out of paper. They didn't squander this excess. They didn't live it up. They didn't waste it. And they didn't just harvest enough just to make it through. Listen, this this is huge. This is huge. How we spend our harvest depends on how well we will weather our next winter. How we spend our harvest determines how well we will spend our next winter. How long that winter is going to be. How harsh that winter is going to be. And here's the truth. Winter is is always coming. When you reach your harvest, your journey isn't over because the seasons in life are cyclical. You don't reach that harvest point and just say, I'm good, I'm here. What you do with your harvest time determines the course of the next cycle of seasons. The seven years of famine hit Egypt hard just as God showed Joseph what we see in verses 53 and 54 that it not only hit Egypt but it spread all over the world however because of the diligence of Joseph look at verse 54 but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food if we don't handle our current season with wisdom with proper perspective our next fall will be filled with excuses followed by a difficult winter because in the fall, we either enjoy or we excuse. So how are you spending your current season? How can you ensure that your next fall harvest will be enjoyed and not full of excuses? Well, let me give you two things that we've learned from Joseph here. The first one is this, change your me to we. Like Joseph, change your perspective. Consider whatever season that you're currently in as preparation of your heart and your soul for what God would lead you to serve him in. Because more than likely, it's going to benefit his people more than simply your personal prosperity. God is about the big picture. And as followers of Christ, we should also follow that model. Jesus didn't come to just serve himself and to be served, but instead to serve others. He wanted for nothing in heaven, but yet he came down for us. And so too, we should shift our perspective to others. Look at your why. Why do you do the things that you're doing? Why are you acting the way that you act? What is your motivation? Is it so that you can be just comfortable and relax and say that you've arrived? Or are you working to guarantee a greater harvest in the next cycle of seasons? Are you working for the preparation of what God has for you next Because as long as you're breathing on this earth, God has a next for you. The second thing is this, and it comes from an old coach of mine, and it's simply get to work. When the fall comes, continue to work for the Lord. This is not just our reward for our faithfulness, but it's another opportunity to serve God and to serve his people. Let that harvest be your redemption. God has designed these seasons of life to grow us, to make our harvest one that we can truly enjoy without excuse. And we have to trust that it is so much greater than simply our own personal affluence and comfort. Our attitude and our work ethic in each season will determine whether we make excuses in the harvest or if we enjoy it fully as God intended. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this study on the seasons. God, we thank you for the life of Joseph. And God, we thank you for the truth that you are so much bigger than we can even imagine. That your plans are so much better. God, help us all to see that. Help us to live in a way that models the way that Jesus lived for us with an others first mentality, with an understanding of your greater purpose. God, help us to put ourselves aside. And to trust in this greater plan that you have for us. how we thank you for that. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week.